Welcome to the fourth episode of No Things Considered. My name is Tim Young. This is the podcast. If you want to follow me, I'm at Tim Runs His Mouth on Twitter and a bunch of other social media things. And as always, if you want to comment on what we're talking about today, I'd love to hear from you. Leave a comment wherever you see this. We are now on iTunes, uh, and we are on, of course, Podbean, and you're probably seeing us on a Facebook page or a Twitter. So leave a comment. I'd love to get your conversation in with me. I want to talk about a couple of things today. The first one is this this ridiculous woke marketing of the Ariel, the Little Mermaid movie that's coming out. It's She's being played this time by an African-American woman. And, I mean, to be honest, nobody cares. Like, it's, it's a fictional character that is being played by, I'm sure, a great actress. We know she can sing. I, I think, where did she sing at? It was like the national anthem or something at a... A major sporting event. I forget what it was. I, I saw her somewhere. She's gorgeous, and she's a great singer, and I'm sure she's going to be a great actress, and she'll be great in the role. That's all you need to know. The problem is that a hashtag started to trend last week when this announcement was made called hashtag not my Ariel. And number one, I, who again, who cares? But when I was taking a look at this hashtag, and you take a look to try to see where the original outrage came from, you couldn't find it because because it just didn't exist. And then you take a look at these articles that were written about Not My Ariel and The Little Mermaid, and they cite these, like, four basically fake accounts. They have something like 10 followers, 100 followers, something less than that. And listen, if you have less than 100 followers, I'm sure you're a real person. But, like, in this instance, it was a very, very slim number of people. No one was verified, you know, not human being pictures of themselves saying that they were outraged about an African-American woman being cast as what was supposed to be a white character. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. You'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who's outraged about it. This is this is the new woke marketing scheme that I've seen pop up since the Ghostbusters movie, and uh, the, the female Ghostbusters movie, the new one people were actually excited about. And it, and it it worked in that instance, I think, when they went with this strategy. And and the odd thing was, I don't know if you guys remember or not, with that Ghostbusters movie, there were the Sony hacks, the Sony leaks uh, that had come out. I think North Korea had, or some foreign entity had uh, hacked Sony, and they released a bunch of emails. And in one of the emails, they actually said that that was what they were going to go with with the marketing. They They explained the plot of the Ghostbusters movie, which was horrible, by the way. The movie was terrible. They pulled together four of the funniest actresses, uh, comedians of our time, if not the four funniest top female comedians of our time, to be in this movie. And the movie was just wretched. But the the marketing strategy the entire time was, you hate women if you don't go see this movie, or you say that it's terrible. And it's insane. It doesn't make any sense. It's the same thing. That, it, this is being used over and over again. This was used for Captain Marvel when people were like, this Captain Marvel movie's horrible. People were like, oh, the, the, the critics of criticism, the outrage against outrage, was that it was only men saying the movie was terrible. When there were, I believe, the USA Today, and I think it was Newsweek, were female critics who said the movie was terrible. Captain Marvel. It's this outrage against outrage. This somehow is selling to people? This is somehow a thing that works? I, I don't think it works. Most of America, when they go to the movies, when they want to go see something, they, they just want to be entertained by good acting and a good, a good story. I think the situation here with The Little Mermaid is so stupid. 
It's so fake. Uh, honestly, the bigger problem is Disney needs to stop making live-action movies and come up with new ideas. Granted, they have plenty of new ideas with comic books and everything else that they own and the diversity of, of their, their brands and, and Star Wars. They have everything. But there's this outrage about outrage that somebody would play a fictional character that's not white. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. Who cares who plays what? Nobody does. If it's a good movie, it's a good movie. I don't understand, nor do I see a lot of the problems. People keep saying that Idris Elba is going to be the next James Bond. They've been rumoring this for years. They need to hurry up. He's getting old. <laughs> the brand is getting old. But I wouldn't care. Who cares? Idris Elba would be a badass James Bond. It's this outrage about outrage that doesn't exist. And it's happening over and over and over again. And it must be working, right? Got to be doing something. Let's talk about this other thing. I, I'm looking at this. Amy McGrath is a, I believe she lost a congressional race in Kentucky two years ago. So, of course, it's only logical that the Democrats promote her to run against Mitch McConnell. I, I could care less. She's not going to win. I think Democrats, they, I mean, she's getting lots of retweets and lots of lots of hits because everybody doesn't like Mitch McConnell on the left. Mitch McConnell's been pretty effective at everything he wants to do in the Senate. And of course, that's going to piss off everyone who's his political opponent. And that being said, I found it very, very interesting. And I tweeted about this today, but I, I mistweeted my tweet. And I never really delete tweets and then put them back up. But a story drops just yesterday that Mitch McConnell's great-great-grandfather owned slaves. And it was something about, you know, Mitch McConnell's against reparations, but his great-great-grandfather owned slaves. And it was this just big hit piece that I think it was NBC and uh, the Washington Post put out. And then today, Amy McGrath just coincidentally announces her campaign. And I look at that and I go, oh, okay, this is odd to me. This is you just, I, I don't understand the timing of this. And then people continuing to say that the press is completely non-biased. This is just uncanny timing that a hit piece drops the day before, a national hit piece on Mitch McConnell drops the day before Amy McGrath releases her or announces her campaign. Uncanny timing. Remarkable timing. The, the free press is completely unbiased, obviously. Right? Come on. It's so hard. The... I, I have dated a few women who have run campaigns and have been general consultants before, and I know that they have a direct line to a certain group of media. I mean, that's what press and communications people have. They've developed this. That's what they're good at. They, they have these connections so that they can drop stories when they need to drop stories. But this story, I believe this information has been around for a very long time. It's not hidden. And the fact that the timing is there, just come on. Who, who are you trying to fool? Who are you trying to pretend that you're not biased uh, against or, or you're unbiased? No, you're not fooling anybody anymore. And that, that's the problem with these. I, I listen to these stories and these journalists and they, they go on. And I think Chris Saliz is the one that's like, don't tell me that reporters pick sides. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's as if you didn't know it from Trump, you can see it here. It's direct with this Mitch McConnell story. And it's timed. That would be the most uncanny and remarkable timing in reporting history if that story just happened to come out yesterday and there wasn't any kind of coordination with the campaign. Come on. You're not fooling anybody. By the way, back to the, uh, not to go back to the Ariel the Little Mermaid story, but when I tweeted about it, and I'm seeing this come up now as I record it, I tweeted about outrage, about fake outrage. 
and immediately a bot account, a completely fake account, tried to tried to get me to bite on Twitter with this racist stuff, this racist garbage. It's another fake account with like 16 followers decides to weigh in and say, oh yeah, well, uh, obviously this is racist and illegal that they did X, Y, Z. And it's like, are you kidding me? This is, I think there are actual marketing departments now that are set up to try to get people to bite on this stuff. Absolutely set up to try to get people to bite on this stuff. It, it literally, it does not make any sense. So, sad news. Eric Swalwell has dropped out of the presidential race. And I know that you guys at home are very upset about this. I'm upset about it. He was the easiest candidate to dunk on. I tweeted a, a poll the other day, who's the lamest politician? And the choices were Eric Swalwell, Justin Amash, Ted Lieu, and Jeb. And Eric Swalwell won 54% of the vote. 17,000 people voted on it. I mean, come on. He's, he's, it's sad to see you go, friend. He's the worst candidate in the history of candidates. And, and I just really, I was excited to have him around to dunk on during the debates. And now, no longer, no longer there. Marianne Williamson is still there, though. And she is going to continue to spread weird love, weird cat lady love on us all. Uh, I said the other day, I believe that all of her talking points from her campaign come from Ancient Aliens episodes, and I stick by that. Totally stick by that. Talking about the presidential election as well, we have Justin Amash, who is now not ruled out running for president. Now that he knew that he was going to lose the Republican primary in his district, he shifted to independent on the 4th of July. You know, party lines don't matter unless you need to get PR and you're going to lose your primary race. So he's shifted to independent in a hopes that he can somehow pull out a victory there, I would imagine. But he hasn't ruled out. He told Jake Tapper on uh, State of the Union, I believe on Sunday, he hasn't ruled out that he might run for president. Now, that is going to backfire on the Democrats or whatever he is thinking. Because I can't imagine a single one, and if you know one, please let me know, a single Trump voter that would vote for Justin Amash over Donald Trump. A single one. I, there are, I, this is, he represents the Never Trump movement. Maybe if you want to go take a look at the bulwark online, that little blog of people who were left over from the Weekly Standard, those people would vote for him, Bill Crystal. You know, the, uh, is Anna Navarro, does she still claim to be a Republican? That's the type of Republican that would vote for Justin Amash. He's pulling nobody from the Republican Party. What he would pull, though, are people upset with the Democrats going too far left, looking for a moderate libertarian alternative. And that's a problem for Democrats. The last time, the last 2016 election, Jill Stein pulled just enough votes to flip two states for Trump, pulled them away from uh, Hillary Clinton, if you assume that those people would have voted or voted for Hillary Clinton. I believe it was Michigan and Wisconsin were the two uh, states, and, and very close in Pennsylvania, that she had the difference between Trump and Hillary. Hillary would have beaten Trump with all of those votes in her side, on her side. So I think what happens here with a Democratic Party that's leaning farther and farther left, you have a Justin Amash come in, and he, he could literally pull away your less progressive, your more centrist Democrat voters. I think he makes a difference. People who want to vote their conscience and don't want to vote for something far left or socialist would vote for Justin Amash. But you're not pulling anybody from Donald Trump. Never Trumpers are the only people who support Justin Amash, and he is not going to pull a single vote away 
from Trump. Another person that's not going to pull any votes away from Trump is Tom Steyer, who was the billionaire who had Trump derangement syndrome before Trump derangement syndrome was cool. He has now announced that he's getting into the race. The day that Swalwell is out, the, it's right away. Tom Steyer's getting in. Now, Tom Steyer, I mean, if I were him, I'd offer the other candidates a good chunk of change just to drop out of the race so I could take over. Probably save him a lot of money in campaigning. Nobody knows who the guy is. The people who do just kind of go, eh. He doesn't really move the needle. He's been running around the country with his impeach Trump campaign. He spent a lot of money on this impeach Trump campaign, going on tours that no one goes, tour dates that no one shows up to, creating videos, running commercials. And now he's going to run for president as if he can sway anyone. And as if the Democrats want a rich white male, old white male, to be their candidate. I mean, maybe Bernie Bernie was leading for a little bit. We've got Biden leading for a little bit. And now we've got Tom Steyer jumping into the race. This will be very, very interesting. He's going to spend an awful lot of money. And he's just going to take votes away from other Democrats. I, I don't know what he's thinking here. I think he lives in his own bubble. I think a lot of people who are running for president right now live in their own bubble with their own yes people around them. I'd, I'd imagine as a billionaire, you have a lot of people who are around just to shake, shake your hand, tell you how great you are every time they see you, pat you on the back, tell you all of your ideas are, are brilliant. It backfires sometimes. I think this is going to be one of those instances where it backfires. He's going to get a lot of votes. He's going to take votes away from the mainstream Democrats. And we'll see if he hangs in there. If he doesn't get the nomination, maybe he'll be a third party. Ross Perot passed away today. Maybe he's the new Ross Perot, a billionaire who leans in a direction and decides to be independent. Who knows? So if you throw in Justin Amash, you throw in Tom Steyer, and we have yet to see who the farthest left candidate's going to be. I'd imagine that person is going to be someone who gets AOC's attention. Maybe Bernie stays in the race after he doesn't win. Your Green Party candidate, it, Jill Stein, got enough votes to make a difference in two states last time. So you add in, now you've got additional factors. You've got Justin Amash, you've got Tom Steyer, depending on where he ends up. And then you've got this farther left candidate. These are only serving to take votes away from Democrats who are running against Donald Trump. People, I, I really think we're going to see a a red country this time around. If you take a look at the just, where the votes are going to go, just take a look at the. If I'm a betting man, I'm I'm saying Trump wins. He may even win the popular vote this time. Because if you take a look at, there are a lot of Democrats that are being disenfranchised because they don't go as far left and they're not part of this fu Trump and f Trump movement. Because that's all they're running on is impeach and F Trump. They don't feel like their their party is with them anymore. There's going to be apathy. They may not show up. If they do show up, maybe they vote for a Justin Amash or, or if a Tom Steyer sticks around longer. And then your far left people who are the F Trump, are, are, are the impeach crowd, are going to go with maybe a Green Party candidate if the candidate when the Democrat side tries to pull something in the middle and says they don't want to impeach. There are a lot of factors pulling people in different directions this time that are much different than last time when you had a strong Hillary Clinton, whether or not you like her, who really, I mean, really united the party. United them enough, had a billion-dollar campaign behind her, and couldn't pull it off. If she couldn't pull it off, I can't imagine any of these current candidates could pull it off, just to begin with. You don't have a Hillary Clinton this time. And now you have Amash, Steyer, 
and whoever the third Green Party player to be named later. The Green Party candidate coming up. It'll be very interesting to see what happens here. But I can't imagine a scenario where Donald Trump loses at all. And I think that's why they're still trying this impeach game. It was a little quiet this week on the impeach game, though. I think the House is still trying to subpoena people, but nobody really cares anymore because that's also become white noise. It's every week. You have Jerry Nadler and uh, the other chairs. I think Maxine Waters is a chair, and they're trying to you know, subpoena things and get people to testify, and it's just not working anymore. Nobody cares. It, it gets you likes and, likes and retweets on Twitter. It gets you uh, pats on the back from your media friends and your media bubbles and your, and your staff, but nobody in the middle of the country cares anymore, and I think they're starting to see that. If not, I, I already think it's too late for Democrats in 2020, but they need to pay attention, and they're not. So that is the podcast for today. My name is Tim Young. You're listening to No Things Considered. Again, there's no outrage about who's playing Ariel the Little Mermaid. A couple of bot accounts. Really, show me a real account that, that is upset about it. Tom Steyer in the race, just a mosh probably going to be in the race all the other stuff that's going on in the news insane today guys thanks for listening to the podcast uh we're here every tuesday and thursday and if there's any topics you want me to cover let me know i want to talk about the things that you guys want to hear about my name's tim young you can follow me at tim runs his mouth like subscribe keep listening share it with your friends thank you guys and i'll see you next time